Okay, welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Bibliotheques podcast. Cody, how are you today? Putting on my finest jeans and leather jacket and looking exceptionally handsome for this pod, Paul. Oh my gosh, well, you you certainly are doing all of those things at an extraordinary level. And we today are continuing our discussion of the story, The Outsiders, but today we are discussing the film adaptation. And Cody and I decided that we were going to do two different things for this episode. Originally, this movie was released in 1983, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And it was, I mean, just kind of some basic stats on it. It did 33.7 million box office, budgeted at 10 million, so not terrible, but you kind of see the low budget in the movie a little bit. But the two different versions we watched, Cody watched the original. I watched a 2017 release of this movie that had, it was like 20 additional minutes of footage in it. And so we'll get to talk about a little bit of the differences as well as comparing it to the book, what we liked about it, what we didn't, so on and so forth. Right. And you can really tell that, like Paul said, Coppola is really working with not as much money as he usually gets to make stuff. And right away, you can tell that he's shooting on location in some nowhere town in the South. But that's actually kind of nice. He's not using a ton of sets. You can tell that they actually went somewhere, which makes the feel of this kind of not necessarily small town, but wrong part of town aesthetic really hit. And, you know, right away, the 60s aesthetic is just really fun to be in. It's it's one thing to read it, but it's another to see it on screen. And that's one thing I immediately was like, OK, I can I can feel where these kids are coming from in terms of what they're what they're what, just how everything looks and feels and maybe sounds and smells. That's, that's one fun thing about the movie. The version that I watch, I don't know if it's different in the extended one, but there wasn't the opening scene where Pony Boy gets jumped. Okay, so huge, huge difference there. And they make note of that in the in the description for the re-release in 2017. They talk about how in the additional footage, it includes a beginning to the story, which is like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, that is so, it, it's important. <laughs> like, that sets the stage for the rest of the story. Like, it's it's important to have it there. So that surprised me a lot. But really quick, before we go on, I just want to mention that I might disparage this movie a lot. Coppola's like, kind of the shit in terms of movie making and so it's weird to me that some of like this movie I wasn't really all about considering the dude made the godfather you know yeah coppola is one of the best american filmmakers of all time probably top 4 maybe one depending on who you ask pretty easy argument to make and on this movie i think it might be just because it is a a ya story that He's forced to use a lot of actors who we will get to that have not necessarily learned how to act yet. And you can tell that the older actors playing the characters are the best ones. The younger the characters stream, the younger the actors are, the less 
experience they are and the more kind of child actory they behave. So why don't we get into that right now, Cody? Because that's that's probably the best starting place and probably, I mean, as close as we're going to get to your version versus mine. So the cast is entirely stacked with dudes mm-hmm. that we even know today as just like very well-known adult actors. Exactly. We'll just start from top to bottom. So the version that starts for mine, it's uh, C. Thomas Howell's pony boy kind of sitting down to write down his note, like the beginning. I walked out of a dark movie theater into the light, thought two things, yada, yada. We know how it starts. But it cuts straight to him and Johnny, who we haven't been introduced to yet, meeting up with Matt Dillon's Dallas and Johnny being played by Ralph Macchio one of the most 80s actors of all time. And right away, these three characters look the part so well. Matt Dillon's a little bit of a different one because he's not blonde the way that um uh, he's supposed to be in the book. But I'm going to be completely honest with you, dude. Matt Dillon carries like half this movie. No question. And And here's the weird thing about Matt Dillon's casting in this. I don't actually love him just looks-wise as Dally. I think acting wise it's perfect like and he Mm. does a great job with the role but in my my imagination reading this book i don't picture dally as being as just like strikingly handsome as matt dylan is yeah i pictured him as this kind of like you know like almost white hair super blonde little bit psycho looking alley cat kind of guy and matt dylan like is just like an iron jaw that could be an action hero that could star as someone who like Schwarzenegger kills in a movie. Like that's how like good looking he is. <laughs> yeah, for real. I just got to say it. Patrick Swayze is Daryl Curtis is just all time stuff. And then right beneath him, Rob Lowe as just the prettiest boy to ever be a pretty boy as soda pop. Yeah, those two, they really nail those two. The one issue I have, and I'm just going to go through all of my issues here, apparently. My one issue with the Patrick Swayze, and this is a wardrobe issue, he's not supposed to look like a greaser. And they, like, fully went in on that with Swayze's wardrobe. Like, he looks like a grease the whole time. Yeah, he's supposed to have shorter hair, and his hair is, like, awesome and, like, long as hell. Swayze looks great in this movie. Like, yeah, our issue is not with Swayze. It, it can't be. He's all time. But it's just not what the character is supposed to be. You know, he's supposed to have like the short cropped hair, more Soch. Exactly. Yeah. And then we get Emilio Estevez as two-bit Matthews. What did you think of uh, Emilio? I thought he was good. I thought he was goofy. Yeah. I thought he's always wearing like Mickey Mouse t-shirts and stuff. Like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I had that as a note where I was like, I need this Mickey Mouse cutoff that Emilio Estevez is rocking through this entire movie. I'm also going to say that uh, young C. Thomas Howell is like, I thought his 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 acting kind of comes and goes depending on how good it is. I think it gets better as the movie goes along and like more things happen to him and he actually gets to kind of, you know, work it more. But in terms of like, you know, the the quiet kid who's a little brainy but doesn't realize how good looking he is. I thought that was good, too. It's it's really hard for us to overstate how attractive the three Curtis brothers are. 
in this movie. When you see all of them, like towards the end, when they hug in the hospital, you're just like, what is going on here? Yeah, you can't you you can't overstate it. I mean, the three of them are just they're so good looking and it fits with what they talk about in the book, because Ponyboy talks all the time about how soda pop is just a Greek god. And it's mentioned throughout how basically Dairy and Ponyboy are also just kind of different versions of that. And I mean, it works perfectly with the with the casting here. And to that point, Cody, this is where this is what I think is so funny about this. Our next cast member, Tom Cruise, a young Tom Cruise cast as Steve Randall, Rob Lowe or Soda Pop's best friend. And the entire time I'm thinking, I don't know if I could give another example of Tom Cruise being the least attractive person in whatever movie he's in. Yeah, he's also completely out of control in terms of his acting. He is he's the one who's going for it the most with the accent. Yeah. Yeah. He's really got some country twang to it and he's like bouncing off the walls the whole time. It's it's really absurd and this is before Tom Cruise I think got good at doing his own stunts because right. there's a couple times that require Steve Randall to do a backflip off a car. And I don't think he lands either of them. No. Like straight on his ass. Yeah. And there's also times where he's like, it's this is this is way before Mission Impossible because and this is jumping to the rumble. Like he when he's supposed to get like maybe punched in the face, he gets punched in the face the way a high schooler doing his first like stage combat class is like, oh, <laughs> oh, you punched me. It's so like, bad. that's how he takes a punch in this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I mean the rest of the the rest of the cast here is not anything crazy except Diane Lane as Cherry Valance, which yeah, perfect. Again, oh yeah, she's she's really good. She has this like really like solid like voice. I want to say like she just like doesn't do anything special with it. She's just a young girl playing a young girl. She's super pretty. She's super like emotionally obvious in her choices which isn't a i'm not denigrating that like when cherry needs to be shocked or afraid or angry she's really good at it she just crushes it the whole way through she's not in it that much you know cherry valance doesn't actually have that much time she's thought about in terms of like what uh pony boy thinks about a lot in the book so i guess i remember being like wow cherry isn't in this movie a lot but then i was like oh well she actually doesn't have a ton of like time on page talking to people right yeah yeah so but but you but the thing is like Diane Lane's so good that like, you know, you're just kind of thinking like, oh, when's she going to come back on screen? She's really good in this. I think I mean, she kind of carries the scenes she's in, especially with Pony Boy early when it's she's those two talking. She's so much better than him. <laughs> like, yeah, she's just, yeah, right off the bat, like way better, which is actually kind of good because it's supposed to be a girl who is like more confident and popular talking to a guy who like can't believe he's talking to her. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I I think I mean before we before we keep going, I just wanted to go back to the 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 opening of this movie because that was one of the first differences that you noted between the standard edition and the extended. So before the movie even starts, tell me, did you have a super eighties opening credit scene? Oh, dude, it was it was almost unbearable. I 
And then credits rolling in and out, <laughs> coming from side to side while a sepia train tracks is in the background. Okay, right. Did your version have Stevie Wonder singing over the opening credits? It might have. It might have. Because... As soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, my God, the music in this movie is already just out of control. And then (laughs) getting it, it was like it's like this really like emotional R&B, like Stevie Wonder kind of just like serenading the audience, going straight into Pony Boy, running away from like out of the movie theater, running away from these socias. But the music during this chase scene and into the mugging is so out of context that the whole thing is just laughable. Yeah, the music does not match the vibe of the scenes until the boys get into the drowning fight. I thought even the drowning fight was fucking weird. I thought the, I don't know. It's That one at least was like a little bit intense, so it wasn't like great. It was kind of like almost like jazzy i kind of scat like a standoff but to me yeah it was it was distracting at some points i think it was more distracting for you but there are definitely a couple times like like when when they're uh in the uh when they're outside and they're walking back with cherry and uh whatever her name was bev or something and they're trying to go to two bits car and the social boyfriends pull up bob and randy pull up like the music that's playing with that is like it's like why is it so upbeat right now like they're trying to get into a knife fight that's what i'm saying and it's like okay i'm just gonna give you one of my takeaways for this movie and it's something that i have for many many movies that are covering a very serious topic but for some reason insists on being rated pg The Outsiders should be remade, and it should be an R-rated movie. Like, this is a subject matter that you could easily take that far. I feel like today with a PG-13 rating, you could could at least, like, you don't have to show the murder to make it R, right? You, You should at least add some, like, elements that you think are, like, thematic and shit. Like, and I, I and I can't even say that like this movie is just a piece of its time because we're talking about Francis Ford Coppola here, and it's like when Pony Boy's getting drowned, like the actual direction of that is great until we're supposed to know that one of the socias was stabbed, and this like almost like red burn goes through the. Th- it's not like they filled the water with red dye. It's like an effect on the screen and it just takes you out of it. You're like, okay, who got stabbed? Like, oh, okay. It's like, what's going on? (laughs) It's like a PG 13 version of like the Nickelodeon slime just comes across the screen. No, that's what it looked like. For those of you who watched the NFL playoffs this past year, it looked like the slime cam graphic, but like blood red. Awful. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I I legitimately I took my eyes off the screen for one minute because I was like writing a note down. And when I looked up, it was just Pony Boy outside the fountain. And I was like, okay, so I missed Johnny stabbing this kid and rewind. And it's just this red 
Nickelodeon slime on the screen. I'm like, okay, that's how we're handling this moment. And on top of that, this is where I think that music has a big part to play. Like if you said that you thought it was like appropriate enough in that scene, like I'll give it to you. But it wasn't to me, what I was paying attention to. Is sure. Sure. But for me watching that, I'm like, this music is like way too chill for what's going on right now. Yeah, I was actually just more drawn to how good the like physical acting of like C. Thomas Howell, like he's freaking out. And one thing that's funny is that, you know, what I think is actually very a piece to what would be Pony Boy's like personality in that moment. A bunch of greasers are like dunking his head in this fountain, right? Every time he comes for air, he gasps. But then he also like whips his hair in a way that's like very aware of a guy who has long hair (laughs) in a way that like gets it out of his face. He does it every time he bobs back up. I didn't notice that. That's funny. So like it just it just definitely looks to me like this is how it would look. And it doesn't even look like they're like because they're saying like, yeah, drown him, drown him. But they bring him up for air a bunch. They're definitely fucking with him. They're definitely drowning him and he's definitely like not able to breathe a bunch and it's going way too far. But if the goal was to kill him, they're they, doing a really bad job. <laughs> what are you saying that, that these social kids are like, they're just bad at drowning other kids. What I mean is that like, they obviously didn't know the consequence. Like, it's like, it's just, it's just a way to like on the screen to like show the social side that we never get. Right. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, they, they fucked up so bad that one of their friends died. And then Randy is like willing to testify and shit. He has to believe they fucked up. He like, was like, Oh yeah, we were living with no consequences. Like we weren't really going to try and drown this kid, but that's what happened. And they acted in self-defense. Like to me, it looked like a bunch of kids pulling an extremely malicious prank and not actually trying to kill a guy, but to Johnny who just got his ass kicked. And these are the guys that like beat him half to death. And they, and he sees them like, yeah, drown him. He acted the way he acted. Like, I just, I just appreciate that. That was what, that's what I was paying attention to in that scene. No, I I noticed the same thing. And I think you're right where, yeah, the direction, the acting in that scene makes it a lot less clear that they were in fact trying to like killing him was their final goal there, which is never really in question in the book Mm -hmm. because not only is it pretty much just written like pony boy is just dunked in the fountain and is drowning. But even after that, even the Soches testify that like, that's what they were doing. But in the movie, you're right that it's just, it seems a lot less clear. Yeah. Which is something I thought was interesting. Let's go, uh, let's go back real quick. How did you feel about the relationship first with soda pop and pony boy? Like, what did you think about the chemistry between, between those two actors? Bro, it doesn't exist because there's no opening scene. Yeah. So in the extended edition, you get a little bit more of that, but it's not a ton. And it's just it's just Soda Pop coming up and saying like, hey, are you OK? And then kind of like going off. And so that's part of what I don't think the movie did very well, just in general. And I think it's partly because so much of Soda Pop and Pony Boy's relationship in the book is based on, or what we know about it, is based on Pony Boy's like internal monologue. I think this movie would have benefited tremendously from less soundtrack and more narration from Pony Boy. 
I like think kind of so. like a stand by me style. Like we were all young then. This is how it was kind of thing. Yeah, I think it would have worked. Well, like you said, so much of our context in the book is all internal monologue, pretty much like chain of thought sentences strung along that are like, and this is this. We didn't do that. Well, we used to sometimes when this happened, but that's how we got to know each other. And this is how this happened. And like, you don't get that based on like dialogue or stage action. It's weird when the opening for this movie, because my version opened the same way yours did with Ponyboy writing in his journal. And so it's weird to make the implication that Ponyboy is writing this movie as it goes along and then not have narration. Well, they do have narration, right? So let's actually move along now. So so one thing I have to note before we get to the kind of like Pony Boy and uh, Johnny going on the lamb is that the dream sequence that Pony Boy has about his parents in the country and then their deaths. I'm sorry, but there's a scene. So it's like it shows like these two people that we're supposed to believe are his mom and dad. And then it's like this kind of like swervy camera of this like visibly empty car getting fucking plowed by a train. And it's like, <laughs> choo, choo. It's supposed to be like a nightmare. And it's like, I fucking burst out laughing, bro. It was so unintentionally funny. Like, I am, you know what? I'm not even sorry about that. Coppola, what are you doing, bro? That was the corniest shit I've ever seen. It was so bad. And I just love how, like, there's no mention in the book about them getting hit by a fucking train. No, they, they died in a car crash, right? Yeah, I'm just going to like people have been filming car crashes on screen for like 40 years until that. And he decided to put this like empty car on a train and the train was going to hit it at like 20 miles an hour and just like push it. Is that supposed (laughs) to you're going (laughs) to blow up a train with or blow up a car with a train like have that thing hit it at like 80 and really just really let us know how dead his parents are. And and also, like, Mr. and Mrs. Curtis, what are you doing? <laughs> like, who gets hit by a train? No one gets hit. No by one. Like, and and the other thing about that cut, were they anywhere near a road? No, it was the, <laughs> like, well, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like supposed to be like, yeah, they were in the country. The country's good. Last time they went to the country, they got fucking nuked by a train. <laughs> Like, oh my God, dude. It's just, it's so bizarre and just. It was so weird. Unsettling and like you said, unintentionally hilarious. It may, it, and it comes right after the scene where Johnny, who, you know, Machio, he, it's, he's a little like, his acting's a little choppy, but he's like, he, I think his accent's consistent and he's like, he seems like a sad, like neglected kid. And he's just talking about how he's like going to kill himself and like, Pony boy tries to calm him down, and then you just get cut away from that like emotional moment to just the dumbest train violence you've ever seen. Okay, well, I mean, talking about that scene where Pony boy is trying to talk Johnny off the ledge after he says he might kill himself. Look, I understand that these are kids, but Johnny goes, "I might have to kill myself," and Pony boy goes, "Nah, don't do that." <laughs> like, is that it? 
Yeah. <laughs> like that that's what you're going to say to your friend who just said something so so jarring. Like ah, ah don't don't do that. Bro, no. no <laughs> we love you, Johnny. You can't do that. Yeah, it's, it's okay. so bad. Okay. So the reason that we bring up the narration piece was because narration fucking works when him and Johnny are in the church for their five day stash. There's like a little bit of narration while they like do shit and kill time. Mm. And it helps a lot. Fills in gaps, lets you know things about uh, Johnny and him. And then it just never happens again. Right? Yeah. Super weird. Like, super so, so you know, it could work. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I I mean, I we could go on and on about the narration. It works in that scene. I don't know why it's not more consistent throughout the movie. Who knows? Um, Matt Dillon comes back to just act the pants off these two kids. He's just like, anytime there's like an actual adult acting, it's so much better, which brings me to the church fire. Paul, was there anything unintentionally funny about the church fire scene? <laughs> so... Jerry, <laughs> the school teacher who's like outside this church building watching it go up in flames, is approached by presumably another teacher named Grace. She comes up to him and says, Jerry, not all the kids are accounted for. And he goes, yes, they are. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, or no, 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 the actual line is, some of the children are missing, and he just goes, "No, they're not." <laughs> like, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. You know what? You know where that answer is not going to hold up. Fucking court, where it's <laughs> your job to take care of these kids, and ten of them burned to death in a church fire. Dude, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. Hey, really quick, I wanted to ask you something kind of weird. What did you think about Pony Boy's impression of a country boy just being putting a straw in your mouth? Oh, dude, no, <laughs> no, no child has said to themselves, no, no child has not done this given the opportunity. Gone into a field, maybe like a prairie, found a uh, piece of wheat or like a long stemmed grass, put it inside their mouth and uh, put like your thumbs through your like belt loops and you're just like, I'm a country boy now. And that's like every child has done this at some point. And it's exactly what Pony boy does. It's so great. When he goes up to those two farmers, he's just like gnawing on a piece of grass. Like this is super convincing. <laughs> Terrible. Also. Yeah. That scene wasn't in there for me either. Oh, for real. Yeah. Well, you missed out. <laughs> that one really added to the story. So the the whole team, the whole family gets reunited. So they kind of go back and they're living their lives and things are more serious now between the family. Two bit goes to like babysit Pony Boy. And then that's when Randy and his friends show up. Two things quick. I actually like that it was like while Randy and Pony Boy have the conversation in the car, you got to see the socias and the greasers that like were not invited to that conversation, like bust each other's balls outside <laughs> of the gas station. Yeah, that's great. It's great. They're like, hey, you boys, like, look at your funny pants all high. You boys expecting a flood? Like, just like, yeah, shut the fuck up, greaser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's also, it's I don't know if you noticed the second thing is that the guy who plays Randy has a mean case of PC principal face from South Park. Dumb rich guy jaw. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, how did you feel about, okay. So this is kind of a larger question, I guess, but how did you feel about the way the socials are portrayed in this? I thought it was really good. Um, they definitely all look like, you know, like typical sixties assholes that are in high school or something like they all look like that. They're all wearing the madras shirts and like, like ski jackets or windbreakers or sweaters or something like it's all there. I don't know when pony boy and Randy are in the car together, that's supposed to be like a really emotional scene. And these guys are having a competition to see who can act the worst. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing. Like that conversation is supposed to really like hit home for you as the audience and seeing like just how, I mean, this goes back to like what we were talking about when we were doing the book episodes with the child, uh, what do we call it? The child, the child, the, the, the child misery index. Yes. The child misery index. It, it's that is supposed to be one of these scenes where you finally like can understand to some extent that it's not easy being associate times too. And cherry, I think does a better job of that early in the movie, Yeah, but they kind of like skip over it a little bit in this one. It's just because Randy can't fucking act. No. And he also doesn't include that. He's not showing up to the rumble. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that him and that him and Bob were best friends since childhood. He doesn't like hide trying to tear. He's just like, yeah, so you're the, the yeah, yeah. So like you guys would have saved all those kids. I don't know if I would have. Yeah. Just so you know, being a social is pretty hard. And why are we even fighting? You're still going to be at the bottom. We'll still have all the lucky breaks. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not it's not great. I mean, the the goodbye is kind of it, it's better. But again, it's just because of the the writing. And it's pretty much like right out of the book, right? Where he's like, like, take it easy, Grease. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. Take it easy, man. He's like, yeah, hey, I'm any that, that's ripped out of there. Like, that's that's better. But that's not acting. That's just S.E. Hinton. Anyway, so they get back and they visit Johnny and. Johnny's really fucked up. I thought Ralph Macchio was really good in this. Can I ask you something? Looks, what did you think about the rig they had him on in the hospital? It was the most like 1960s and we still to this day don't know what medicine is. <laughs> it is they they have my poor sweet Johnny hooked up to this goddamn contraption face down. Face down. Okay, face down I get cuz he's got like a broken spine and a bunch of burns on his back. We can Face down is that's whatever, but like they have him like strapped on the forehead and the jaw, and then they also have a mirror <laughs> underneath him, so he can just look at his own misery. And I guess it's so that when people come to visit him, he can like see them through the mirror shit. But like, can we get our guy like a fucking magazine? Like, <laughs> well, and Coppola's like playing with the mirror in his oh, shots with too, it so much. <laughs> like- He'll go from he'll go from a shot of just Pony Boy and uh two bit and then he'll like pan down and you're not looking at Johnny's face, you're like looking at his reflection in the mirror that he's just staring at. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's not it's not the best, but you know, that's it's not it's not Machio's fault that that's kind of what they did. If anything, it's actually medically accurate considering the sixties were just like, they were, they were just figuring out, especially in like bumfuck Oklahoma where they got this poor kid set up, but they go visit Dally and uh, he's a psycho as usual. Takes two bits knife, gives him a psycho face. And so all the boys start getting ready for the rumble. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to go back 
Ponyboy post bleaching his hair looks shockingly like Justin Bieber. It is insane. It is insane. It immediately like stunned me. I have a slightly different take on who I think Ponyboy looks like and throughout the whole movie too, not just when he bleaches his hair. I think he looks so much like Harry Styles. It's unreal. Oh, I could see that. I just meant like right after and like the hairs in his face and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. God, dude. It's crazy. And that's that was something I, I took note of too is when I'm reading the book, I like you don't think about how terrible these haircuts would have been. And they like let you believe it for a minute in the movie where like they kind of like show them with bad haircuts for a scene. And then all of a sudden they're, oh my God, that picture is insane. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Literally Googled pony boy, blonde hair. And this is current Justin Bieber. (laughs) Yeah. But that picture is what I'm talking about. Like in that scene, they like let you know how terrible these haircuts were. And then the next scene, they both look great. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty inconsistent. Uh, Anyway, they're getting ready for the rumble. And uh, Patrick Swayze has never looked more jacked. He is just absolutely stanced up. They're doing flips and stuff. A couple dubious landings by our guy, Tom Cruise. Yeah, but they're doing it and they get there. And, you know, all the socials roll up in their cars and then they start fighting like the standoff between uh, Derry and Paul, like was legit. And you were like, oh, yeah, these are two big boys who could just slug it out. And then the rumble starts and it was like my absolute like dumb boy lizard brain. But I was like, this looks fun as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, it's super embarrassing. I was thinking the exact same thing. And part of it was also just because I was like, did I miss out on something in my childhood? Because I didn't ever just get a group of guys to just fight each other like across the street from my house. Over some like idea of turf when you were all like children. Yeah, <laughs> but but it did look kind of fun, even though they don't shy away from people just getting like their shit kicked in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like it's people are getting rocked. It's not just guys doing like rock'em sock'em against each other, like trading fists to the face. Like people are falling over, rolling around in mud, getting their faces kicked in. Like they don't shy away from that. Yeah, getting kicked in with like an like a nineteen sixties like wooden sole shoe. With a steel toe, probably. Oh yeah, some guys got work boots on. Oh my god, that'd be awful. Dude, Derry roofs houses. You know he's got steel toe boots. Yeah, and you know he also punches like a fucking hammer. That dude was laying on people. Oh god. And again, Tom Cruise with a couple like, oh, you've hit me in the face. (laughs) Poses. And then here's here's where this movie is like really diverts for me. So the so 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 the rumble ends. Dally and Ponyboy go to visit Johnny, and you know it's really sad. And I'm not gonna lie, when Dally blows up, they actually show him robbing the gas station or the convenience store or something. And that was like, in terms of just like acting, Matt Dillon steals the movie with that scene. Like he's like so good, like puts a gun to the guy's head and is like like crying while he's like asking for the money and stuff. Like really good. He's really good. And then Johnny or then Dally dies and like they shoot him and like 
like like all the boys run and, and they watch him get shot and it's pretty dramatic. And then after that, Ponyboy gets home, opens Gone with the Wind, reads the letter, sees Johnny's floating face. Like Johnny's floating face is like narrating the letter. And then it's Matt Dillon's floating face. And then he reads and then he starts writing his essay. And it doesn't include anything about soda pop. There's no like him going to court. Okay, so so here he just it, the the movie just ends. It makes zero sense. Okay, so extended edition fills in a couple blanks there. Where okay. after after Dally dies, we do get a scene with uh between Ponyboy and uh his teacher. And so his teacher comes out and tells him to write this essay. And so then like he ends up going home and we do get the blow up between Pony Boy and Derry. And then the three boys do their whole runoff thing and their reconciliation like out in a field. And so we get some more of that and then they go home and then he starts writing it. So it's closer to the book and the extended one, which I thought was it sounds a lot better than whatever garbage you watched. Um, <laughs> it made no fucking sense, bro. Can I just go back though to what you were saying? So when Pony Boy is writing, starts to write, or right before he starts writing this down, because he's reading this letter from Johnny, the choice to include Matt Dillon, Dallas Winston's character, in this little like face pop up is so hilarious because. <laughs> Because Johnny is the only one, like Johnny's head pops up and is kind of like opaque on the screen and he's speaking whatever he's written to Pony Boy. And out of nowhere, Dally just pops on the screen. It's like, tell Dally to look at sunsets. I bet he's never, and then it's just Matt Dillon's face on the other side of the screen, like smiling. And he just starts ripping a heater, dude. He starts smoking a cigarette. Like... It's this super it's this super touching yes. sentimental moment where Johnny's pouring out his heart to Pony Boy and you have Matt Dillon on the fucking left side of the screen just roasting a cig. Just absolutely lighting up, bro. He couldn't be more happy in heaven just darting up. Oh my god. I I was just dying like it's like you can't do this to this movie. It does not deserve this. <laughs> Maybe it does, bro. Maybe it fucking does. You know, oh this God. movie, when what's the first thing you think of when you think of like the outsiders movie? You're like, dude, the cast is like, I can't believe they caught all these guys at like the perfect time to play this. It's so crazy. But then you watch it and you're like, what on earth is happening right now? <laughs> Well, I I texted you last night while I was watching it. And my actual task ta- text was like, "This is borderline unwatchable. Like, it's so bad." In the very beginning, when uh, Pony Boy and Johnny meet up with Dally to go to like the drive-in movies, and they have a little bit of time to kill, they like find a group of kids playing like cards in an alley, and like Dally's just like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you, kids!" and like chases after them. <laughs> Which, which, by the way, is included in the book a little bit, but like, it's not so just malicious and mean. It's like we chased some kids through a field because it was fun. Not Dally going up 
taking their playing cards and throwing them everywhere and then basically threatening their lives. Just brutal, dude. The other yeah, thing Dally walks up, he's like, I fucking hate kids. And these kids are like nine. They are small. <laughs> the other thing that I'm bummed you missed on the, on the extended edition is because you didn't have the trial scene, you missed the sweatiest courtroom scene of all time. I'm oh, not. Is it just your classic Southern judge or Southern lawyers? I'm not kidding when I'm telling you literally every single person in this scene pictured is like drenched in sweat from the people on the stand to the judge, to people watching it. It's like, it's weird. Everyone in this movie is soaking wet (laughs) at all points in time. People like, I don't know if, is it a sixties thing? Is it a Southern thing to exit the shower dripping (laughs) and just throw on jeans and a t-shirt and be like, time to start my fucking day. Yeah, because that's what they do. I I don't know. Is it because they're like, well, it's hot as fuck down here all the time. I'm supposed to be the winner. You're right. It's supposed to be like like the fall, maybe like football season or something. Yeah, I I don't know exactly, but it's just they are wet. 100% 100% of the time. Everyone in this movie is soaking wet. And it doesn't the only help. Who's not is uh, like uh, the only person who's not wet ever is Matt Dillon as Dally. He's never wet until he's soaked in his own blood. And then he's doing like while he's getting shot, he's doing like 19 cartwheels, just getting lit up with bullets. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. He gets like shot and like falls over and then like stands back up, gets hit a couple more times. That's like a flip. Is like rolling like fireman's roll, like stop, drop, and roll while just getting absolutely lit up. And all the boys are like, no, no, don't shoot him. It's not. Look, cut back. He's still rolling. Yeah. And like crawling. Like they really drew that out, which isn't it, necessarily. It felt more sudden in the book. It's so sudden. It happens really quick and then it's over. In the movie, it like takes maybe three minutes longer than it needed to. Yeah, he's it's like he he's getting shot the way that Ben Stiller gets shot in the first part of um, Tropic Thunder, where they're just like lighting him up and he's just like rocking back and forth. (laughs) Survive. Doing the platoon hands. Yeah, survive. (laughs) If you to the listener at home, if you want to go back and watch it and then before this is I hope you have watched the extended version, because if you like me watch the 91 minute standard version you were left very very confused yeah so yes legitimately if you if you did not know the story and just walked into that 90 minute movie you would have left and been like what on earth was that like i don't know what i just watched the moral of everything we're saying is if you want to watch this movie first read the book then decide that you're going to watch the extended cut It's like two hours long. It's not like Lord of the Rings extended. It's under two hours. Yeah. 112 minutes. It is not long. And then also go into that movie with the understanding that you probably still won't like it. Francis Ford Coppola phoned it in on this one, folks. There needs to be a remake because this story is so good. Just make it a limited series TV show, like all books. Yeah, that's a, that's actually it, a good make call. make it a TV show. Just make it four parts, each part's an hour. For the love of God, have someone narrate. 
or include dialogue that is exposition-y enough to, that we can get emotional context. So, Cody, one of the things that we talk about when we do these movie things is, and I don't think I've ever asked this question explicitly, but is there anything that the movie was able to accomplish in that medium that the book didn't? I think that it really stressed how little these people have, especially the greasers. Like they are like skinny alley cats. They, their houses are a mess. Even the Curtis house, which is supposed to be like the nice safe place in the neighborhood is like not nice. And just kind of giving you context for how small pony boy and Johnny are, I guess is another thing because I think at least in my mind, they have like at least an out, like a, maybe maybe a disproportional presence in every conversation just because they are so crucial to the story. In the movie, you can see that like there's a big difference between a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old. Yeah. There just is. They just look different. Their, their, their bodies are usually different. And for someone like Ponyboy, who's supposed to be small and small for his age, it, it was it was kind of important, at least for me to be like, so he really is like fucked in this situation, like physically. He, there's no real fighting back. There's a reason he has to like count on his older brothers in this gang to help protect him. I agree. That's something I thought too. And I brought it up, I think, when we were doing our book review. There were plenty of times throughout the whole thing that I was just thinking to myself, I keep forgetting that this is a kid, that this is like yeah. a child. And, you know, I said the same thing with when we did Lord of the Flies. It's it's similar stuff. It's when you're filming. When you're watching a movie, it's just that constant reminder. Like you don't ever forget that. So that was really nice. But one of the things that I felt that the movie just really didn't capture was, and we touched on it before, this relationship between the greasers and the socias and that like that whole sunset metaphor that's going on the entire time. Like, there's none of that in the movie where Cherry might say at one point, like, yeah, you know, I, um, you know, life isn't super easy for us either. Like, that's kind of the only mention of it. And then, you know, like you said, Randy, that conversation is just kind of bleh. So that whole part of it, I was just kind of like, the movie just doesn't get the nuance of a lot of the book. I, I wanted to tell you, actually, Nicolas Cage is in this movie. Okay, I did not know that. Who is he? So he has an uncredited cameo as a background soch. Now question, does his presence make this movie, does it change your idea of what this movie is? I wish I wish Nick Cage, how much better is this movie if Nick Cage is Bob? Ooh. Oh no, if it's Randy, he, Randy has way more to do. Imagine that car scene, but it's Nick Cage. I've seen so many bad Nick Cage movies, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, you could have watched one more because this movie's not like super great. No, that, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, like, would that scene have been better if it were Nick Cage? I don't know. Well, he would have tried. Like the guy that played <laughs> Randy is just like, yeah. So like, sometimes things are bad for us. It's like, dude, are you? Give me a fucking break. Come on, like, <laughs> give me something to work with. Another thing you said with the disconnect between the greasers and the socias, even when they're trying to say that their life isn't that good, 
it's the same thing with like this movie just doesn't get relationships right even negative relationships it doesn't get the good relationship between the curtis brothers and doesn't get the negative relationship between the greasers and the socias like the first time the idea of class and like actually people are rich and people are poor and that's what influences what's going on here is when randy brings it up in the car but since that's the first time there's nothing to attach it to right there's no anchor to it it's not like Ponyboy has been thinking that for the entire book because we haven't been understanding what Ponyboy's been thinking because there's been no narration. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like like you said with the relationships too, uh, I just think like Soda Pop as a presence in the book is so important in informing like who Ponyboy is and Dairy is so important in that as well. And without any kind of narration or backstory on like who these guys are at their core their characters fall flat a little bit. And I think Swayze does a pretty decent job because he's given more to do, especially in the extended edition, where he can show a little bit more of that kind of, you know, like paternal uh, kind of gruff attitude towards Ponyboy. But, right. but they miss so much of that. And, it's, and when they try to address it, it comes off as being like really abrupt and out of character. Yeah, at least with, you know, the Swayze dairy character, the things that here he's like supposed to express are like kind of this, like, if not anger, then frustration, which is a lot easier to make physical and emotional than the soda pop, like sweet and quiet and funny kind of um, like softer side. Like that doesn't stick in as well. Like, you know, from seeing this movie, like, oh, the oldest brother, even if you don't even remember their names, you're like the oldest brother. He's the one who's like kind of mean to him. Like yeah. That's what you're supposed to get out of dairy, but you can't get like, Oh, and me and Soda Pop are exactly the same. We like the same things. He doesn't like this thing, but like, like all that detail is lost when, but like with Derry, since he like doesn't really have a relationship with him and he only sees the kind of gruffness, it's a little bit easier on Swayze. Plus okay. Swayze, I think is just a more mature actor than a lot of people in this cast. So he's able to do that. Right. So, okay. I, what I think needs to happen here is, you know, mo- like some of the times that we've done movie pods, we've recast. Cody and I talked about this beforehand. It's kind of hard to recast this because it, casting like these young kids, there's not like a ton of well-known actors that are playing this age of kids. So I, I think we can skip that. I, I do want to ask you, Cody, two people that I think would be clearly like good to be in this movie or TV show if they redid it. Timothy Chalamet could have a role somewhere. Oh, he could be. He could be either Pony Boy or Soda Pop tomorrow. Yeah, he could play a Soch if he needed to. I feel like. Oh, he'd be a. Isn't doesn't Bob have like dark hair? Yeah, I mean whatever it is. Like I just yeah, make it happen. Yeah. And then the other person I brought him up earlier was Harry Styles. Mm. Could be in Harry, this. Movie. Harry Styles is Soda Pop. I think that's the play. I think that's a good one too. Besides that, I really don't know like how you would do a recasting for this movie. But based on everything we've said so far, I think that this being redone as a limited series, like you said, would be awesome. And what they need to do is throw some narration over the top and get somebody to actually do the music well. Those are my yes. those are my needs for this movie. Do you have any wants or desires? If you're going to show the parents' death, don't make them die like morons in a open field getting hit by a train. <laughs> Good call. And maybe spend a little bit more time on it. Like 
the cool thing about a limited series is if you are going to do that, you could devote more time to actually like do a flashback or something and show how the dad is a lot like like soda pop kind of and like kind of free spirited and everything. You could talk about his relationship with Pony Boy and you could actually make their car crash something that's emotionally taxing for a viewer. Right. I think all of that's super important. I, I think, yeah, a limited series would be great because they would just have the ability to spend more time to do the little things right. Yeah, I think, you know, TV shows or limited series just like give stories that are famous books just more time to breathe, which is, you know, it's so hard to cram an entire story into just a couple hours. Like the reason that the Lord of the Rings movies are like famously some of like they're obviously they don't fit everything in, not even close. And a lot of times we disagree with what they put in, but they're good and well regarded because they're like these movies are three hours long you're going to sit here and we're going to fill you with information. Like that's why they're able to at least succeed in part. Right. Like, yeah. You, you cannot make a 90 minute movie of a book. No, you just can't. No, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna flop. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for the outsiders. I really enjoyed this story. I wish the movie was better. It would have been fun to have a cool movie to watch after this. I just, I was so disappointed, but luckily for us, we have a lot of good reading to look forward to. So next week we will be departing on a journey that will last quite a while we are reading a series and i'm not going to say what it is just yet so you're going to have to tune in next week to uh to hear what we're getting uh i don't know what we're getting into i'll leave it at that it'll be pretty fun folks well thank you guys again so much for listening we will see you next week thanks guys